Welcome to the Oslo Show of Entrepreneurship and Original Development Podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guests today are Dimari Fai from the Leeds University Business School, John Lever from the University of Huddersfield, and Rady Aloub from the UCL. They recently published an article entitled Entrepreneurship in Constrained Immigration Contexts, the Liminal Integration of Syrian Refugees. It has been published in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Talon Francis. Dima, John, Reddy, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic and what is the question you aim to answer? Okay, thank you, Vincent, for this introduction. The background started with our uh, British Academy, Leverhulme Small Grants Fund, which we were awarded in 2019. The project developed its focus around the refugee crisis in Europe, where uh, there were concerns uh, around the social and economic needs uh, of the growing numbers of refugees arriving in European states. We particularly focused on Syrian arrivals following the onset of the Syrian crisis in 2011, which back then had led to nearly uh, 5.6 million Syrian refugees displaced outside Syria. And around that time, the UK pledged to resettle 20,000 Syrians in the UK under the VPRS uh, scheme, which is the Vulnerable Persons Resettlement Scheme. Now, uh, whilst European concerns around the uh, migration issues and the refugee crisis grew over the last decade or so, uh, we do note in the article that the overall international migration levels have not increased dramatically over the last two decades, but it is the context of the international migration that has changed significantly. And this is something that uh, Alexander Betts uh, debates in his 2015 contribution on clarifying survival migration noting that changes in migration are noted in composition of growing numbers of, uh, on uh, survival migration, for example, environmental, political, economic crises, and the changes in distribution, where the highest numbers are now noted in Europe and Asia. So due to these growing uh, numbers arriving in European countries, uh, these countries started to place more constraints on migration. And this didn't really come as a surprise, consider, considering the um, growing economic concerns around supporting these arrivals within neoliberal economies. And uh, despite that, uh, many of uh, these refugee arrivals do have the skills and the qualifications and the means to fend for themselves, uh, a large majority of them do not. And this large majority is seen as vulnerable and less able to fend for itself in neoliberal economies. And uh, alongside those concerns, there was also a growing narrative of a hostile immigration environment in the UK. Uh, and now, even though this narrative was widely seen as an attempt to prevent illegal immigration and accessing various state benefits and trying to control or tighten the existing immigration policies, this narrative uh, did develop into reflecting a state-led marginalization of immigrants as a policy approach that impacts on various acts and regulations. So it was really this context uh, in which we positioned our study, a context which uh, Lewis Turner describes in his 2020 contribution, uh, where he indicates that the refugee regime is being uh, reimagined, not around restoring the link between the state citizens uh, through resettlement, integration or voluntary return to home countries, 
uh, but rather around neoliberal notions of resilience, adaptability and entrepreneurship of refugees. So in the article, we put this context in the frame of what we refer to as constrained immigration contexts, focusing on the UK and the restrictive measures and red tape institutions which have been put in place to expand the state's control over immigration policy. Uh, and uh, in this context of the study, we are, of course uh, recognize the value of entrepreneurship as an integration tool, uh, but also similarly acknowledge that the UK seeks to overcome unemployment-based social exclusion of marginalized communities through entrepreneurship and self-employment. So we equally question the suitability of entrepreneurship as a way of addressing elements of diversity, equality and social exclusion. Yes, on the surface, entrepreneurship does appear as a useful way to facilitate integration, but this might not always be the case in reality. And therefore, we formulate the main question of in light of constrained immigration contexts that refugees and asylum seekers face in the UK, what are their perceptions of integration and social exclusion through entrepreneurship? What are the main contributions of your paper? Okay, so building on what Dima's just elaborated on, I think the paper brings the topic of entrepreneurship into wider policy debates taking place across the social sciences in the UK by focusing on integration and social exclusion, as Dima's indicated. So in the paper, this allows us to bring debates about deserving and undeserving migrants, who's deserving, who's undeserving, into the field of refugee entrepreneurship, contributing to wider discussions and binary distinctions between who's excluded, who's included, who should be included, who should be excluded, and who are considered worthy and unworthy members of society, and who are considered valuable and less valuable members of society. So this allows us to call for the acknowledgement of refugee heterogeneity in liberal, uh, neoliberal economies, as Dima indicated, in ways that encompass holistic views of integration that move beyond the current focus, the sole focus really in policy on economic, economic contributions at the expense of all else. So seeing entrepreneurship as an integration tool allows us to argue that entrepreneurship potentially has dyadic outcomes um, of limiting integration in the case of vulnerable refugees, that is those without the means and skills to succeed, who are let into the country for moral reasons, uh, and idiosyncratic integration as we call it, in the case of what we refer to as equipped refugees, so those with the means to be successful. Um, this distinction was evident throughout, throughout our work with Syrians in West Yorkshire. Um, when we often asked refugees about these differences and distinctions, they were often aware of them. But vulnerable refugees in particular didn't like the comparison to be made and would say things like, oh, don't mention that, don't compare me with those people. You know their situation is completely different to me and to the majority of Syrians. So I think our major contribution revolves around bringing these debates into the field of refugee entrepreneurship. What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenges or challenges in addressing such a question? Um, okay, I'll, I'll take this question from uh, two angles, the theoretical and the methodological. Uh, theoretically speaking, the article brings forward debates around ill-suited measures to a humanitarian crisis. And this has been challenging considering the paradox of having neoliberal economies with growing expectations from all individuals to fend for themselves, and at the same time, the humanitarian responsibilities of European countries as signatories of the European Convention on Human Rights. In theory, refugees, of course, have the right to seek 
asylum to receive humanitarian aid to go through integration pathways uh, and to return to their own home countries. But what we are seeing is that in reality, they get stuck in limbo or in liminal spaces as we pose it, thus showing evidence that the system is not working and in need for change. Um, methodologically speaking, uh, the refugee context is often described as an under-examined and hard to access uh, uh, research context, which I'm sure is something that my colleagues exploring this context can empathize with. Uh, and I would like to reflect on this here. So, for example, in terms of recruitment, recruiting refugees on our study was challenging, which again is a challenge I, I'm sure I share with my colleagues who research, research this area, particularly considering the dependency and the isolation that refugees endure. We had all ethical approvals carefully set, including things like participant information sheets, consent forms, anonymization, voluntary participation and all that stuff. But we always realize that our questions can add to the burden of recalling traumatic experiences. And we were very conscious about this through our, throughout our uh, fieldwork. Uh, to some extent, these concerns were reduced through the multi-method qualitative approach and the multi-level analysis, but it was still not possible to get participants to disclose personal information at all times. Language was, of course, an important element in our data collection. And here I note that my co-author, Radi Haloub, and I both speak Arabic and English, and this certainly made it much easier for us to build rapport and trust with the Syrian refugees, whose mother tongue is Arabic as well. Uh, we found that refugees find it quite difficult to express personal emotions around traumatic journeys in English. So having a team who speaks their native language certainly added to the richness and depth of our interactions with them. Uh, of course, all our interactions and meetings were voluntary, so we had to deal with lots of cancellations and rebooking. So the data collection did take us uh, longer than expected. Uh, one last challenge I would add here is also uh, COVID. Uh, from the moment the pandemic hit, things became more difficult um, as we could no longer visit the refugee businesses or conduct the focus groups in person, which meant that we had to um, rethink our uh, methodological plan. Uh, as new ways of working were established, we began to plan online activities, which again proved to be very difficult and limiting as many refugees back then did not have the necessary skills or equipment to engage in online platforms. Uh, I have to say it was a steep learning curve, but uh, we thankfully managed <laughs> to investigate and carry out the study in full. During your research journey, what was the, your biggest surprise or maybe the most counterintuitive result? That's an interesting question. So as a trained sociologist and as someone who has published widely on immigration policy debates over the last 15 years or so, and I don't want this to sound arrogant, it, it was kind of the understanding or the lack of understanding among some support workers and agencies that engage, engagement in entrepreneurship is not always a positive outcome for refugees. And that very often entrepreneurship is used unknowingly, or so it appears by some of these groups, as a tool of last resort to support refugees when all other sources of support are dried up or been taken away. Now I've seen this policy position develop over a number of years working with many different migrant groups. In our case, the expectation that all Syrians could, for example, start a business drawing on less knowledge or skills from Syria was pervasive. Syrians were often encouraged to use their traditional skills and knowledge to engage in entrepreneurship. 
Now, our previous work in Jordan a few years previously um, found that this approach often worked very well in and around uh, refugee camps where Syrians could sell food, for example, and provide other services at community events. In the UK, however, things were very different. And a female, uh, as a female focus group participant stated, when she was asked about the possibility of selling food she could make in her kitchen, um, she said, no, who would I sell it to? I can't sell it only to my friends. That's not going to bring money in. And the implication here, it seemed, was that this wasn't really entrepreneurship. Okay, so I just want to clarify, we're not really, and in the paper, we're not, and I'm not criticising here, anybody who's attempting to support refugees. I'm just pointing to the difficult situation that all those working in this area find themselves in uh, when entrepreneurship is the, really the only available option. And this became evident very, very early on in the research and was pervasive, pervasive as I've said, throughout the project, really. What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, practitioners in general? Well, thank you, Vincent. Um, the study calls on uh, policymakers to recognize the heterogeneity among refugees arriving in host countries in ways that could acknowledge the potential downside of entrepreneurship as an integration tool in the case of vulnerable refugees. Uh, so in such cases of vulnerable refugees, we note that isolation and marginalization can be reinforced. Uh, and I would like to echo John here that this, of course, is not to undermine the importance of integration efforts of local authorities and the support agencies using entrepreneurship as an integration tool. Uh, rather, we draw attention towards the value-laden perceptions of what counts as refugee integration, uh, where we draw attention towards uh, policy implications, indicating that refugees should not be homogenized within entrepreneurship policy, uh, like proposing entrepreneurship as a ubiquitous solution to all. But at the same time, we do not justify antipathy towards refugees, where they are pejoratively perceived for their apparent lack of skills or inability to integrate in host countries. Overall, our contention is that refugees should not be seen as inevitably or indeterminately dependent on humanitarian assistance. Uh, they are, of course, a humanitarian responsibility, but they should not be perceived as a burden. Host countries need to provide refugees with opportunities for flourishing uh, that acknowledge their heterogeneous mix and the wide variety of contributions that they could make and offer to host communities in ways that would embrace wider value perceptions in entrepreneurship that go uh, beyond uh, uh, an economic focus, uh, which is common in the neoliberal economies, and would also allow a seamless integration process, particularly when we're talking about uh, vulnerable refugees. Thanks a lot, Dima, John and Reddy, for participating to our show and presenting your paper entitled Entrepreneurship in Constrained Immigration Context, The Liminal Integration of Syrian Refugees. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-ed.com and on the main podcast platforms.